other things. Other things. This is a fantastic season. It's a fantastic year. I am I am really excited about this year. Uh, not because it's 2020 and and it's an indication of not simply a new year, but a new decade. But I really believe that it's a new season in the life of this church. Um, I'm grateful. Uh, I heard about 25 people signed up uh, to go to the homeless shelter on yesterday. Uh, praise God. Amen. Amen. Uh, led by Sister Shara, uh, Sarah Joseph. And, and amen. Amen. And, and, and what we were doing uh, uh, is that we were helping the homeless shelter, cleaning it up to help them qualify for their inspection. And so uh, it's amazing the job that the team did. And uh, Sarah's in the direction of Chief Debbie here. And uh, we're just so grateful for what God is doing because you need to understand when we talked about the PT restaurant and our menu items. One of our menu items is that we are called to be a presence in the church, in the community, a presence in the community, meaning that, and this is the thing that has always haunted me. And, and T.D. Jakes once said something that was very powerful. He says, some people run after a goal. Other people are chased. What do you mean by that? Um, there is the thing that makes Serena Williams so great is not that she's chasing out, not after, not that she's running after championships. She she is being chased by being haunted if she loses. And so my point is this: is that the thing that chases me is that I don't want PT to be an irrelevant church. What does that look like? Basically. Uh, Dr. E.V. Hill, he's passed away. You can Google him, but I remember hearing him. He preached a sermon called The Church That Matters. And he said, if your church was lifted from the community, would the community miss your church? And if the community does not miss your church, meaning if this would turn into condos, and uh, would, the, would Cambridge miss this church? And if the community doesn't miss your church, then your church does not matter. So what really blessed my heart one time when we were back and we were looking for another church and by grace of God, he opened up PT South. I remember talking to the mayor and saying, yeah, we're looking for another church. And immediately out of her mouth, it was a mayor, female mayor back then, immediately out of her mouth was, you're not moving out of Cambridge, are you? And I was like, thank you, Jesus. We matter. So that means as we did this work in the homeless uh, shelter, uh, we want to matter to Cambridge and there's some things when we observe that we're going to uh, rectify because uh, they don't have the money to do that so we're going to do it amen I said amen. we're going to do it amen. we are going to change we what I mean we we are part of, of a community of believers of churches in Cambridge that's going to change the world's perspective perception of what the church is Amen. We don't need the, we don't need the world's money. What the world needs is for the church to be the church. Tell somebody that means you. Amen. The church is not a building. The church is the people. Amen. So we, uh, this year, I'm telling you, we are going to invade Cambridge 
with the kingdom of God, the love of Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you believe me, say amen. 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 But we have to deal with this if we're going to have an impact. Because all of these soils that Jesus was speaking the parable about, he's talking about the heart. And if you notice the parable, the seed being the word of God, there was nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed was programmed to produce what it would produce. But here in the parable, Jesus was saying the challenge was the seed, the soil. And the soil represents our hearts. Amen. It represents our hearts. And I want to challenge you on, on your heart. And particularly, I want to challenge us. Did I say us? I want to challenge us when, on, on particularly Mark chapter 4, 19, when he says again, still others, this, the seed were, was sown, was planted among thorns. Uh, and, and, uh, and those represent uh, the, those who hear the word, verse 19, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke out the word. Uh, and, and what struck me is the other things. The other things, my goodness, the other things. The other things. The other things like you know, being married. Yes, being married is another thing. The Apostle Paul said, he that minds... Uh, he that is single minds the things of the Lord, but he that is married minds the things of his wife. So marriage can be another thing that distracts from God. There are people who said, I'm not, I can't go to church because um, Sunday morning is my quiet time and my date time and my Sabbath with my husband or wife. That's a distraction. It's quiet in here. Our children can be a distraction and another thing. Our jobs constantly calling us to work so that we can't be with God can be another thing. Can be a worry. It's quiet in here. School. I remember when I was in college in, um, I remember um, wanting to do well, and and Richard, I, I stopped. I decided that I'm going to do my homework on Sunday morning because that's my best time, and not go to church. I'll, I'll go to church in the evening. Back then they had evening service, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do my homework. What's interesting, and this is the trick of the enemy. That was the best semester I ever had in college. So you need to understand that just because you, some of you, the devil's too smart to, to tempt you between good and evil. So he will tempt you with good 
and what's best. So he's like, look at your grade. You're doing well. Yeah, but my heart is being drawn away by making a dean's list. And yet the Lord said to me, you know what? You can get all the good grades you want, but the objective of this degree is a job. And what would a profit of man to make magnum cum laude and have no job? Can somebody say amen? I remember we had a person in our church had two master's degrees from MIT and couldn't get a job. They were living right, but the point is, is that only God can open the doors for you. You better seek him, especially in this season. You better seek the Lord. Other things, have other things drawn our heart away from the Lord. Another thing that we need is not simply other things, be careful of other things, but have our hearts open. Our, I, I love this verse in verse 20. He says, others are like seed sown on good soil. That, that good soil means a, an open heart. They hear the words and with an open heart, they receive the word and accept it and it produces a great harvest. And then, of course, the last thing that we want is outcomes that satisfy. Mark chapter 4, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. I, I, I want to circle back to other things because, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a simple man, so I like, to, I like to make sure I understand what the word of God's saying. So I actually look up I actually looked up the word other. And the word other comes from an old English word oper as in operate oper and it means the second of two. Other means the second of two or additional. So basically they're seeking there's two things in front of them but they're seeking the second of two things. Are you with me? Are you with me? So the word would the word would produce the fruit that it's supposed to produce. No. For example, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So the word would produce the fact that God will supply my needs. But the problem is I'm seeking the second of two things. When it comes to God, there's only two things. Are you hearing me? I'm not a deep man. There's not 18,000 things. There's only two things. There is one thing and then there's other things. The, and he calls the other things the second of two things. The first thing is Matthew 6.33. Seek first, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It simply means seek what God wants. And all of these other things shall be what? Added unto you. So whenever God comes in second, you 
and I have been drawn away by another thing. As much as I love my wife, we had the marriage retreat over the weekend. My wife cannot be the other thing that gets in the way of God. It's quiet in here. And I believe that one of the reasons why a lot of marriages are in trouble is because people are looking for things in their spouse that they can only get from God. If you have a horrible relationship with God, you're going to have a tough relationship with your spouse. I don't care how much therapy, I don't care how many workshops or, or counseling sessions you have, God will not take second place to anybody or anything. I'm trying to help us. Because I really believe that God is ready to do some things, but we have idols in our lives. Our job, our prestige, and God is saying, I'm after the other thing. If you still love me, say amen. The other thing. The other thing. He wants hearts that are open. Because we have, we have been really seeking other things. In Revelations chapter 2, it's not on the screen because the Lord was speaking to me this morning about this. Revelations chapter 2, verse 4. I, I put together this scripture with the Message Bible, the Amplified Classic, the Passion Translation, and the Message. I put them together so that God could really speak to us. The writer, or the, or, or the Lord is speaking to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And he says to one of the churches, um, but I have this one charge to make against you. That you have left. You have walked away from your first love. You've walked away. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. You used to lift up holy hands. You used to weep at just being in my presence. And now you don't have that passion anymore. And then he asked the question, why? What's going on with you anyways? Do you have any idea how far you have fallen? There's some of us in here, we, we would spend a half an hour in the presence of God in our Bible study, in our prayer time, to the point that we would look at the clock and say, oh my goodness, I got to get to work. Now, we spend more time looking at social media, wanting to know what's going on in the world as opposed to what's going on with me and God. And God is saying, do you have any idea how far you've fallen away? He says, turn back. In other words, repent and recover 
your dear first love. Waste no time. You have no time to waste for I am well on my way. God is about to do something. Mark my words. And he's trying to get our, our attention off of the other things and focus on him. That's what Friday night is for. It is, Lord, how can I align my heart back to you, back to your priorities, back to understanding that if I stand on your word, you will take care of all of my stuff. I just need to put you first. There are some, uh, my, because my degree is in accounting, I wasn't good at it, but I got the degree. Just being honest with you. But the one thing I know as an accountant for me is that things got to add up. <laughs> things got to add up. And that's what, that's, what, that's what bothers people when they come and sit with me. When it doesn't add up, I say, that doesn't add up. Like, I, like, like, I like what Ed Stetzer once said. He said, facts don't have feelings. They're just facts. What do you mean? In other words, when you stand on a scale and you don't like the number, don't curse at the scale. It's just giving you a fact. I'll look at the clock because some of you are like, why you all, why you got to talk about weight all the time? See, getting all up in your feelings. I just am saying it's a fact. It's a fact. Okay. When you walked outside, it looked sunny. You in your mind, you could think it's the Bahamas until you got out there and you saw 10 degrees. It's a fact. Whew, Jesus. Well, you are looking, I forgot my point. Got me so scared. <laughs> ah. Thank you very much. But it has to add up. It has to add up. And so... You can say you love Jesus all you want. I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him. So here's the fact. Jesus said it. Matthew 6, verse 20, 21. He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You can give me five on this. He said, show me where your money is, and I'll show you where your heart is. God, I love you. I love you. And here's the offering for my love for you. Lord, you said seek first the kingdom. I gave you the first president. (laughs) You can't even buy a Snickers bar with this. Unless it's on sale. And you want the poor to be fed. You want missionaries sent to other countries. You want the house of God to be built on a dollar. Turn your name and say, neighbor, try to run your house on a dollar. Come on, folks. Who are we kidding? 
Repeat after me. We're all accountants. Repeat after me. It don't add up. Even children now look at you, hey, Johnny, you think you're doing, God bless you. They're like, really? What am I going to do with this? I can't even buy Skittles with this. Don't tell me you love God and you're giving him a dollar. If I were to sneak into your bank account, I can tell you what you value. Mm. Ooh, it's quiet in here. Ooh. For some of you, what you value may be what you actually wear every day. Mm. What do I wear every day? Oh, yeah. do I have to go there? <laughs> Seek first the kingdom. God is saying, we had a thing going on and, and you walked away from me. But he's calling us back to our first love, which, is, which was Jesus and what is valuable to Jesus. And the one thing that is valuable to Jesus is lost people. The, the only thing you can take to heaven with you are people okay how much cash you seen people buried with the only thing you could take to heaven is people ah I'm almost finished here so 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 what are open hearts how, Bishop what does an open heart look like how how can I get my heart open okay here's how you get your heart open Number one. Oh, I didn't even see you here, Sarah. All right. Yeah. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for leading. Um, an open heart is a heart that's open to correction. Second Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen and seventeen says, "Does all Scripture are given by inspiration by God, uh, and they are, the word is." Scriptures are profitable for correction, profitable for rebuke, profitable for training. The word of God will correct your course. Mm. Can you be corrected? Can somebody speak to the truth in love and say, yo, dude, you, you really shouldn't be doing that? Or do you get up all in your feelings and say, well, I ain't talking to me for who you think you are? I just look at the clock. This is a tough crowd. Uh, are your hearts open to challenges? John chapter 11, verse 40 said, if you will believe, you will see the glory of God. Are your hearts open to challenges? I need to say this, Sister Debbie. I, I need to say this. Thank you. I need to say it. It bothered me. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. It bothered me that twice this year at PT South, when we only had one service, I asked people, could you move up so that we could make room for people who come in later? 
and nobody, not you all, because you PT North, but I know some of you were there. I know some of you were there, looked me dead in my face and basically said, bunk you, I'm not moving. Oh, we didn't say, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Your face, if you could curse and go to heaven, your face was giving me the middle finger. You know why? Because I waited 10 minutes. And those of you there, I said, you know what? I am preaching another word to you all move. It should not take me five minutes. Twice. Twice. So, so God, it's like, you say, Bishop, why, why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because if you can't even accept the challenge of moving from your favorite seat, how is God going to move you out in the street to help the homeless, in a hospital to visit the sick, in a prison to visit those who were locked up, and you can't even move out of your favorite seat. And, you're, and, and, and the thing that's crazy common is that your name, is, your name isn't even on the seat. I mean, I can understand if, I, like, Sister Debbie, okay, Mother Bradshaw, that's her great-grandmother. I understand if you sit in the seat and say, this is my, this is my seat. It ain't even your seat. You ain't even been here long enough to own a seat. Come on, folks. Come on, folks. You want some Mary had a little lamb message that will do nothing to correct your stubborn hearts. Come on, folks. There are people dying out there. There are people going through some serious stuff. And uh, I have to move my seat. Oh, I got so comfortable. Like oh, oh, you know, I got this. I got it warmed up just the way I wanted to. Like, 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 like you came in here in sub-degree weather. Turn your name and say, "Come on, man." Lord, have mercy. Be open to challenge. Be open to change, to change. You can't move, we can't move in what God wants to do if our hearts are not open to change. Change. Cambridge is changing, the world is changing. Let's open to change. And Psalm 51 verse 10, Davis has created me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit. Renew my spirit. Renew my spirit. Renew my spirit. Renew my spirit. This is my last point because it's so frightening. Every day now, my wife and I pray one prayer. Every day. We pray a lot of prayers, but we make sure to pray this one prayer. So God, Help us that our hearts are not deceived. If you're saying you're not deceived, you're deceived. Because the folks, tell the person next to you, he's not a deep person. But it has to add up. The let me tell you a secret. Let me tell you a secret. 
tell you a secret. That's the secret. <laughs> the objective of deception is for you not to know you were deceived. So if you're saying, I'm not deceived, how do you really know that? Oh, you can't tell me I just, oh, really? That's the whole objective of deception is for you not to not know that you are deceived. So you say, well, what does that have to do with what you're preaching? Oh, let, now we all believe the Bible. This is what the Bible says about our hearts. The heart, I, I put a few translations together so you won't be saying, well, I don't understand the King James, thee and thine and thou. Oh, you want to understand this one? <laughs> it says the heart is deceitful, fooled above all things. Above all things. The primary objective of your heart is to be deceived. Is that the scripture? Okay. I'm not, I'm not a deep man. And the heart is exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely, mortally sick. My heart. My heart. My heart is deceived and it's mortally sick. Let me tell you something. Okay. As fine as my wife is, this year will be 37 years old with this woman. And she got me broken in. <laughs> and life is grand. You know the devil would say to me, you know, your wife is 60. Why don't you turn her in? Why don't you trade her in for two thirties? Jane's looking at me like, man. The, 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 the devil will lie to you. Now, if I if if I survive the death, no, okay. <laughs> she like you ain't gonna live to see those two thirties. <laughs> sitting down for dinner. He said, you better watch your food, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'll slip that in. You all kind of serious. (laughs) This is God saying, who can know your heart? Who can perceive your heart? Who can understand your heart? Who can even be acquainted with his own heart? Who can know the secret motives of your heart? It's beyond help. This is gossip. Your heart is beyond help. Your heart is incurable. Your heart is beyond a remedy. Who can figure it out? No one really understands the heart. No one can really know how bad their heart is. Verse 10 of Jeremiah 17. But I, God, 
search the heart. I examine the mind and I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. And how does God get to our hearts? Hebrews chapter 11, sorry, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. I'm finished here. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. He says, the word of God discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, let me talk about me, okay? Let me talk about me. Tell your neighbor he's talking about himself, okay? So tell your neighbor, don't get up all in your feelings, okay? I'm talking about me. I, I went to a pastor's retreat. It wasn't just a pastor's retreat. Alana? Allison. Okay, Allison. Okay, Allison. It wasn't just a pastor's retreat. It was a pastor's prayer retreat. We are before the Lord for three days praying. A prayer retreat. So I'm sitting next to my pastor, my pastor, for 25 years. And we're sitting, a bunch of pastors, and he says, so now I asked a younger pastor if he would share with the pastors, because um, I feel like the Lord has him to share. All of a sudden, I heard the devil, because it wasn't the Lord, saying, he's been your pastor for 25 years. He never asked you to share at the prayer group. And this dude just comes along. All this is going on in my spirit for the pastor's prayer retreat. See, I'm going to be honest. And so, you know, we're praying and, and all up in my spirit. He never asked you. No, maybe he ain't asked you because you're black. And, I mean, all sorts of stuff trying to get into my heart. And I had to, I had to do warfare. To say, devil, you are not putting something in my heart that now, Sister Ruth, not only do I have a funky attitude to my pastor, but I have a funky attitude to this dude who had not, all he was, he was just asked. But we start getting things in our spirit. And then actually, you know, I come back and say, you know, I came to a prayer retreat, and you know not my, now we start talking, and we release seeds, and then all of a sudden you re you release seeds, and then next thing you know, I invite my pastor to come to speak for my 25th anniversary, and he's wondering, well, why can't I get an amen? I mean, people are like, yeah, you treat that pastor. <laughs> What has the enemy sown in your heart about somebody? That you didn't even think the best of them. You started going off in some 
direction that has caused your heart to be hard. That has put a virus in your heart that now you're starting to think thoughts that were planted there by the devil. You flunk a test, so now the devil's sown in your heart. You're stupid. You're failure. You are not smart at all. That is a lie. Failure is not fatal. So I have some hearts here. I have a white heart. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, Matthew, for they shall see God. Many of us have pure hearts, my final point, but still a hard heart. Many of us have, oh, I like this one. Ooh. Rose gold. They got a heart like a gold, but it's still a hard heart. And you may say, well, what's wrong with these hearts? These hearts cannot hear God. Because the scripture says, take it down, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Psalm 95, verse 7 and 8 says, today, if you would hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Our hearts can be hardened through circumstances. We can be going through so many tests, so many trials, so, so, so overwhelmed with, with life coming at us that we start saying things like, God doesn't care. God doesn't love me. God, why are you doing this to me? And, and now your heart is hardened. Lift your hand. So when the worship leader says, lift your hands and praise God, your heart is saying, why should I praise God when he allowed all this stuff happen to me? That's a hard heart. God, if you really love me, why did you let, allow this person to pass away? Why did you allow me to lose my job? Why did you allow my, uh, my marriage to break up? Why did you allow my child to get sick? Why did you allow? Why did you allow? And, it, and the enemy is trying to use those things to harden your heart, not knowing that God is saying, I am with you walking through this thing. And no matter what the devil puts on you, I can make it work out for good. You have got to trust me. That's why the writer says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me. There's stuff that you're going to have to walk through. And the only person who can help you through it is God. Amen. And he said, I'll never leave you. Amen. So what do we need? Final point. We need a heart that is soft. A heart that if you put it in the water of the word, the, it can be soaked up by the word. Amen. We mean the water word. Uh, Matt, uh, John chapter 15 verse 3 talks about the water of the word. So that when you soak, this is a good word right here. When you soak your heart in the word. The Bible says in, in Psalm chapter 1, the righteous man meditates in the word day and night. God so said to Joshua, hey, if you're going to go into the promised land, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, the first thing you have to do, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Meditate day and night that you observe to do all that is written in therein. Then you shall make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So it happens that when I soak myself 
with the word of God. When I soak my heart with the word of God, that's why in Psalm 119 verse 11, thy word have I hid where? In my heart that I might not sin against thee. So, so when the, when, when I soak my, the word of God in my heart, when the devil puts the squeeze on me, what comes out is the word. When the devil puts a squeeze on you, what comes out of your mouth? But this is a good season. Because the word of God is going to take us where we need to go. Let's all stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. While you're standing, if you could just if you can pray for the person next to you, if you feel comfortable holding the hand, if you ask permission first or touching the shoulder or just pray for them, don't the Bible says in James chapter five verse 16 says confess your faults one to another pray one for another that you might be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much so just for two minutes one minute you're, you may have never done this before if you're first time guest you let me so how do I pray oh, the Bible says and I think everybody agrees with this universal law love your neighbor as yourself so I want you to pray for the person next to you and just use the words that you would want prayed for for you. And, and I want really the primary focus of our prayer is God, um, help me to have a heart that is pursuing you. Help me to have a heart like Jesus. Help me to have a heart like Jesus. However you phrase it, let's pray right now for each other. God, help me to have a heart like Jesus. A heart like Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, Paul said, Jesus humbled himself even to a criminal's death. He, he, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, though he was God. He made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man. He, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I am I'm meek. I am lowly in heart. People expected me to come like a king, but I came as a humble carpenter. Oh God, help me to humble myself to your word help me to humble myself open my heart Lord help me to have a heart that is going after the things that are important to God instead of the other things that I'm distracted by help me to return back to my first love which should be you Jesus oh Jesus Help me to get back to reading the scriptures like I used to read the scriptures. 
read the Bible like I used to read the Bible. Spend time in prayer like I used to. There were times when I was doing my house chores, cleaning my room, washing the floor, washing dishes, and I would be singing songs of worship, singing hymns, singing songs like, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. What if I used to sing from my heart now now I'm grumpy now I'm upset about life now I'm miserable now I'm I've lost my joy but Lord I want I'm, I'm coming back to my first love I'm coming back to the joy of the Lord I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to knowing that irregardless of what my situation or circumstances is I have you Jesus I have you Forgive me, Lord, for being drawn away by other things. Other things. They're important things, but they're second to your primary objective. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me as the pastor of this church that I'm not drawn away by church work. I'm not drawn away by all the demands of this job called pastoring. Pastoring should not draw me away from spending time with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord 
This is my favorite verse. Consecrate me now. So consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by thy power of grace divine. Let my soul look up and let my soul look with a steadfast hope. Steadfast hope. And my will be lost in thine. Here's our prayer. Tell the Lord. So draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou our prayer. and saying, when is this going to be over? Oh, God, you're saying to us, take a look at yourself. Look at how far you've been drawn away from me, from me. Come back to me, not to church, 
to me, not to Bible reading to me. Yes, all those disciplines are important, but I have got to be at the center of all of this. Will you be my Valentine? Will you be my Valentine? Love me. Oh, Holy Spirit, I'm so grateful that you spoke to me. You spoke to me. I know I could be deceived into thinking that doing church work and pastoring is actually loving you. <laughs> so I can get caught up in the work and not caught up in you. Help me that my heart would be like David when he said, as the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs for you. My soul longs for the living God. My, my soul longs for you. Oh God, I pray that a fresh wind of your spirit will permeate our hearts this morning so that we, we leave this place. There will be a like a fire lit in our spirit that says I'm coming back to the heart of worship it's all about you it's not my favorite song it's not my favorite preacher it's not the people who I'm with it's about loving Jesus loving Jesus loving Jesus loving Jesus Get to the hardness of our heart and make our heart soft and pliable in your hands. I pray for hearts that have been hurt, hearts that have been disappointed, hearts that have been frustrated. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you get to the heart of the matter and that, as the Apostle Paul said, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We need a love that come, an agape love that comes from you, Holy Spirit. So I, I beg you, I plead with you that this week, let us look back at February 9th as the time that you said you, you got reacquainted with our hearts and we got reacquainted with yours. In Jesus' name, amen.